Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What it do, Dolphins? What it do? And welcome into the Friday, October the 25th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Winkfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we've got a jam-packed mailbag for you guys. We'll get to your questions. Plus, it's College Football Friday. I'll tell you which games I'm watching on Saturday and Sunday. And we'll do some roster housekeeping. All of that and more. But first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Voted the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter by Dolphins Twitter. You can find the show at Locked On Fins. We'll follow you back and check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We've got content from myself, from Sean Diggity, Jason Harina, and all the boys over at LockedOnDolphins.com every week, every day, LOD.com. We are one step closer to game day. Let's go ahead and update the injuries and roster moves for the Dolphins this week. And first, a practice squad release and addition. We heard about Antonio Garcia, the tackle, being released off the practice squad earlier in the week. The Dolphins have added defensive tackle Frank Haran in his place. As far as injuries go, there's plenty of them. But the biggest news, it sounds like Xavier Howard's going to be back for the game on Monday night. He told reporters he plans to play in the primetime game. Two players that were not back, Daniel Kilgore and Rashad Jones, they both likely will miss the game on Monday night. Jamarcus Webb, who missed practice on Wednesday, was back on Thursday. The same was true for Avery Moss, although he practiced in a limited capacity. Other players who were limited in practice, Trent Harris, Chris LeMans, Shaq Calhoun, Xavier Howard, Ken Webster, Josh Rosen, Bobby McCain. All of those guys should come in questionable for the game on Monday night. And with that, let's go ahead and get into it. That's another So I sent a tweet out on Thursday morning or afternoon, depending on where you are in this country, that really ruffled some feathers or I guess caused some confusion talking about punting on the offensive tackle class. Now, let me go ahead and state this right off the top. I am not in any way, shape or form talking about punting on the quarterback position. I'm surprised that anybody would think that with how I talk about Tua Tungavailoa. He's the goal. He's the gem. He's the prize. All I'm saying is that the best left tackle in the country, the best offensive lineman in the country, in my opinion, is a true sophomore at Oregon. Panay Sewell has been killing people this year and going back to last season. I think he's better than Andrew Thomas, definitely better than Tristan Wirfs. This, to me, just isn't a great tackle class at the top, although I do prefer some of those Tier 2 type of tackles like Lucas Nyong from TCU. He's one of my favorites. Some other notes for you guys. Scouting connection I have within the team gave me a report on a day one starter on the offensive line. That's how they grade these guys. Will they start the first day? Will they be backups right away? What's their long-term projection? They want to know what they're going to be as pros. And this is a guy that actually comes from where I live in Yakima, Washington. He's now the left guard for Oregon. He's a junior. Shane Lemieux, 
316 pounds, six foot four, graded as the number one guard on pro football focus in the Pac-12 last season, and he now has 45 consecutive starts to his name. He should be a day two type of offensive guard in this draft. That's a guy for us to keep an eye on. And basically the entire Oregon offensive line, those guys are beast. We'll talk more about college football later and get you the games I'm watching this weekend, as well as my picks on College Football Friday. But for now, let's go ahead and jump into the Twitter mailbag. You guys know the drill. I put the call out on Twitter. You respond with your questions. I reply to as many as I can on the Friday show. And that's where we are. It's Friday. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Dave Camfield, at Dave Camfield. If Bengals get the number one pick, do we trade for it to make sure we get Tua? And if so, at what cost? I don't think anybody's going to trade that first pick with Tua in this draft. He is, again, the crown jewel of everything. And the Bengals have a major need at the quarterback position. And they can't really attract anybody to come play in Cincinnati because their owner is probably the worst besides Dan Snyder in professional sports. So they're going to hang on to it. They're going to draft Tua or less. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll draft Joe Burrow and do something crazy like that. But if they stay in that first spot, they're going to pick Tua. And if I have to trade up for him, whatever it takes to get a franchise quarterback that I believe is going to be a top five player at his position in the league, there is no cost too great for that. So whatever it takes to go get him, if you got to do it. Next one here comes in from Clinton Parrott. He's at Clint Parrott on Twitter. Do the other Locked On hosts provide the same in-depth content and breakdown for their teams that you do, or are we the lucky ones? Well, I don't really know how all their shows go because I don't listen to many of the other ones, if at all. I will listen to the crossover editions before I go on to their show to kind of get an idea of what I'm going into. But I think for the most part, most people don't really approach podcasts the way I do in terms of going to the in-depth film study because, let's be honest, it's not the most popular content you can devise when it comes to audio platforms. But I want to give you guys the most information about this team and kind of pass off the stuff that I have gathered as far as knowledge not just for this season, but going back, you know, 30 years as a football fan. But I will say that the Locked On Podcast Network is number three behind ESPN, and I forget the other network. We are the third biggest network in terms of top 200 shows on Apple Podcasts. So the Locked On Network is business is booming, to put it lightly. So I won't I won't discredit anybody else because we are kicking ass on the Locked On Network. We have a lot of questions today about the draft and picking first or second, so I'm going to go ahead and gloss over those because we talked about it in the first question. But this next one comes in from Mr. Stubborn at Abduarte underscore one. Outside of the quarterback position, what is the next absolute must position Miami has to address in the free agency, in the draft or free agency? I think it's the secondary because in order for this defense to be exactly what you want it to be with Brian Flores and that Patriots model, which features a lot of combination coverage, a lot of press man coverage, a lot of cover zero, which gives you opportunities in the pass rush. I saw a tweet in reply to my idea about going after both Grant Delpit, who is one of, is probably the most rangy safety in this draft and taking Isaiah Simmons as well, who's the best box safety and kind of a hybrid linebacker who can rush the passer, play the run, all that stuff. If you get two guys like that and Xavier Howard, you're going to have a better secondary than the New England Patriots with Stephon Gilmore and Devin McCourty and Brian Flores calling the shots for this defense because those two guys and that versatility, the ability to come down and cover in the slot or out wide, take on backs and tight ends in the passing game. If they could get two safeties of that caliber for Brian Flores in this defensive back-driven defense, 
good night, man. Like, you watch the way the Patriots defended the Jets in that game. We saw it against the Buffalo Bills. They got a pass rush on Josh Allen because they blitzed the secondary members. One of those guys was Nick Needham. We saw Jerome Baker come clean on one of those as well, but it was mostly guys like Bobby McCain coming in from the secondary to blitz. You go after the secondary, you solidify that part, it'll help your pass rush, and everything gets better in this defense, particularly with Brian Flores, if your secondary is better. So quarterback and secondary, of course the offensive line has to be better, it's just not good enough, and I think they'll want guys that can help move people off the football, like we saw in that game on Sunday in Buffalo, but I also believe the quarterback helps mitigate the offensive line issues you have, more so than just about any other position on the football field, like we saw with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Or, just to go back to the game on Sunday, the way Ryan Fitzpatrick got better performances out of the starting five than Josh Rosen ever did, zero sacks in five quarters since Ryan Fitzpatrick came into the game, of course, if you exclude the sack on Albert Wilson. So, quarterback, secondary, and then probably the front seven, and then we'll go after offensive line. I'm not saying they're going to ignore it. I think all four of those are important, but that's how I'd probably rank them right now, or maybe offensive line third. Either way, quarterback and secondary, first and second. And now I want to tell you guys about our first ever local ad read on the podcast. We actually aren't even getting paid for this, but I want to go ahead and put it out there because it's a great message for a company called Eat Better, Live Better. Did you know that according to the USDA, in 2018, only 2% of American children maintained a healthy and nutritious diet? Just 2%. That kind of lifestyle increases the risk of obesity, diabetes, cancer, cardiovascular disease, skin disease, sleep apnea, tooth decay, ADHD, so many different impacts this can have on your life. Through Eat Better, Live Better's fun and interactive age-appropriate curricula, youth retain the nutrition information and look forward to learning more. Join Eat Better, Live Better in our cause to improve nutrition for children and fight childhood obesity and other diet-related health conditions. Visit www.eblb, that's eatbetterlivebetter.org to learn more. With your help, we can put an end to childhood obesity once and for all. These Friday shows are always, always my favorite of the week because one, it signals the end of the week. And my goodness, this week has been a long one for me. I had multiple presentations due in school. And just a quick aside for you guys right here, non-football related at school for me on Thursday, I presented a video a buddy and I made. We were supposed to do a live art performance, which I have no interest whatsoever in doing. So I scripted the whole thing and had my buddy act out something for me. And it was a fake sports reporting outside of bathrooms on campus where I would ask post-game questions to people and... One of the guys sits in the front row of my class who often dons a cape to school. So there you go off the top. He's told stories about his D&D characters, World of Warcraft. He had the audacity to tell me today that sports are stupid while he's wearing a cape. I mean, you're wearing a cape, man. You, you cannot cast stones when you're wearing a cape. And you're probably like age 33, 34 in my range. I can tell you're not as young as all the other kids in that class. You're wearing a cape. You can't tell me sports are stupid. You can't cast judgment when you're wearing a cape. So that was my story from school on Thursday. The video I put up got laughs, so I think I did a good job. I might put it out on Twitter. We'll see if you guys bug me enough. I'll probably put it up. But I wanted to go ahead and tell that story because in addition to the farter next to me, we now have a guy wearing a cape telling me that my job is stupid. And with that, let's go ahead and jump back into the Twitter mailbag. And do this one here from Anthony Meester. He's at Meester Tweets on Twitter. What's your all-time favorite TGF 
TGIF lineup. Here's a wiki link to the historical lineup. And I clicked on the link here and they're still doing TGIF. That blows my mind. I remember going to my dad's house. My parents got divorced when I was very young. Going to his house and watching Friday Night Lineup. It was all about Boy Meets World. That was the only one I really wanted to watch. Was Smart Guy part of that? I know it was part of the Disney lineup back in like 2002. You'd get home from school and it was Smart Guy, Smart Guy, Boy Meets World, Boy Meets World, and then like even Stevens for a couple of episodes. That was the, that's where it was at. But as far as TGIF, I, I just remember Boy Meets World. So I'm just going to go with that one. Next one here from William Olive. He's at William Olive 2. How well has Devon Godshaw been this season? Haven't heard much about him, which seems usual for a run-stuffing defensive tackle. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Devon's not going to give you much as a pass rusher, but he is tough to move off the football. He's actually had some rough patches the last couple of games, I think. And there's always going to be reps in his game where he gets blown up. It just is part of his makeup, part of his DNA. But for the most part, consistency-wise, he usually stacks the line of scrimmage. He can eat up double teams. And if they try to single block him, he usually can fight that off and get one of his patented run stops. I've talked about him a lot on Twitter. A lot of the videos I do on those bad defensive performances, really, I'm looking for guys that have good individual reps. And Godshaw is usually one of those guys. So I think he's played well. He's definitely part of the future going forward. Next question from Leighton Stauffer at Stauffer underscore Leighton. Do you watch the NBA at all? And if so, who is your favorite team? Well, I swore the NBA off back when they took away my Supersonics. That was just inexcusable. But I actually got back into it like last playoffs. I was really, really into the playoffs last year. And before that, I was a Miami Heat fan because, you know, Sonics leave. Why not join the Heat and and be that guy, I guess. Plus, I love Dwayne Wade in college. So I will tell all you Heat fans, and this is not just pandering, Dwayne Wade's my favorite all-time player besides probably Gary Payton in NBA history. I also love those Heat teams because I'm a LeBron James fan. So those, those Bosch, Wade, and James teams were awesome. So I'll say it probably still is the Heat, but I'm not going to stick to that and say that I really care about it. I liked watching Portland last year in the playoffs. I root for them. Uh, this season, I am I kind of follow LeBron, to be honest with you. I, I, that sucks to say. I sound like a bandwagon guy, but I want the Lakers to win because of LeBron. So Heat, Lakers, and Trailblazers, I guess I'm like a five-year-old who has three different favorite teams. Next one here from the great Matsby. He's at Hagler underscore Matt. He asks, FMK, I'm not going to tell you what that means, but the fourth and inches crew. Well, I love those boys, first of all, even though Vero gives me crap every single time I put up a Photoshop image, even though I didn't even make it. He's always on my case about that, so I would kill him just for that alone. Tone is into some of the same stuff that I'm into. If you catch my drifts, I'd probably go ahead and F him. (laughs) And then when it comes to marrying, I'm going to marry Mike. That dude is my boy. I love him. So definitely going to marry Mike from the fourth and inches crew. Next one here from Tom Cavanaugh at, I'm sure that's going to get on there. That's probably going to be on their next podcast. That soundbite right there that I want to marry Mike. So you'll enjoy that. Next question here comes in from Tyson. Actually, you know what? That's, I got to tell you, that's going to be a soundbite on fourth inches, almost guaranteed, where I said I want to marry Mike. So I'm sure you guys will enjoy that on their next episode. This next one from Tyson at CrispyChicken30 on Twitter. Is Tua better than other quarterbacks with only one foot? Look, th- this injury is pretty funny to me because I've seen some pretty stark reactions to it saying he's injury prone. Like, I played basketball my entire life and I I had buddies who always rolled their ankles like every other week and they'd be back the next week. It's just, it's something that happens to certain people, I suppose. And maybe two is one of those guys, but he's fine unless you have 330 30 pound lineman falling on his ankles. Now, as far as the question, I get it's kind of satire, but to me, two is so much better than every other quarterback in this class. 
that I'm inclined to say yes. And if you watch him in that LSU game, which he, he should not play, by the way, I wish they would sit him down, but they're not going to do that. But you're going to watch him in that game. He's not going to have very much movement in the pocket, and LSU is going to know that. So watch the way he can dissect defenses from the pocket without his mobility. I expect to be a, even more impressed from that performance than we have been all career long with Tua. Next question here from Jesse Bacatis at Finn Reaper. Can Miami win versus Pittsburgh, improving the pick from Pittsburgh without risking the number one pick too much? My rule of thumb is this for this game on Monday night. If the Bengals somehow beat the Rams in London, which we all know is not going to happen, but if they do, then root for Miami because then we can still hold the number one pick and Pittsburgh's pick gets higher for us as well. But I don't expect the Bengals to win that game. And frankly, I have no interest in flirting with losing that first pick. You guys know that on the podcast by now. So if the Bengals are winless, we better be winless too. Next one here from Wes at DWillJr3 on Twitter. If we draft Simmons... How would he be utilized any different than Fitzpatrick was this year or last year? Well, last year you can't use that because it was a different staff and different scheme. So just go ahead and throw that out. As far as this year, he'd probably be using the same role that Minka Fitzpatrick was used in, where he's mostly playing up in the box around the football because Minka did a lot of run fitting in this defense where he would jump into that C gap and have to go sniff out a fullback or get the ball carrier to the ground. Isaiah Simmons can do that better than Minka can, and he can blitz better than Minka can. Minka's better in coverage and more more instinctive that way, but I think Simmons can plop himself right in the middle of the defense and just go, go gadget arm everything and knock the ball down because he's so long, so athletic. He can jump out of the gym. He can run. I I can just say so much about Isaiah Simmons, and I think he is exactly the type of player that this coaching staff wants on that side of the ball. We heard Patrick Graham talk about it during training camp, how when he draws up his defense, it's not free safety, strong safety, middle linebacker. It's X, 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 because it's a positionless defense. They have guys that move all over the defense, and that's exactly who Isaiah Simmons is. I think Miami will approach guys like that going forward from the draft, free agency, and any other means of acquisition for players in this defense. Next one here from Roy Nelson. He's at KeyZman03. Do you think the Patriots will join us this year in Perfectville? I'm hoping the Ravens can beat them on November 3rd. Your thoughts? Yeah, the Ravens are a great pick to actually upset the Patriots. I don't think the Pats are going to run the gamut unless their offense gets better. And this is actually probably like encouraging for us as Dolphins fans. Brady's falling off, man. Like I'm probably going to get, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'll regret that in February when they win the Super Bowl inevitably once again. But I think that he's slowing down. You just can't continue to play at that level at that age. The body wears down. I'm 32. My body sucks. And I work out like four days a week and don't eat too terribly. So I just don't think he's going to last forever. I believe the Adam Schefter stuff. I think this is it. I think it's a swan song. And so with that, I think they're making moves to try to get them into that undefeated, you know, go out on the best note possible. I could see them winning it all and and going undefeated because that defense is legendarily good right now. But I think the offense is struggling. And because of that, a team like the Ravens, who can throw a different type of offense with Lamar Jackson and the scramble runs he has. We talked about it on the podcast yesterday, I think it was, where he made four first down runs on scrambles on third and long against the Seahawks. And that's how you demoralize a team. That's how you're going to have to beat this Patriots defense. So that's a good call. But I think they'll lose one or two games along the way. 15-1 and one Super Bowl champions, something to that effect. But as long as they all retire after this, and it's got to be Belichick too, by the way. If, if Belichick's still there, they're still going to be good. So he's got to leave too. And on the topic of leaving and quoting the famous McLovin, it's not the going I'm concerned about. 
and new from the folks at Roman, a men's health company, they are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to longer lasting sex. Get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. And once you've done that, you're ready for the weekend, you're feeling some more confidence, why not get some money on the action this weekend? Because as you all know, as a true football fan, the only thing that can make football better is putting some action on the game and having your own skin in the game. We're almost halfway through the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get into the game with my bookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sportsbook on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie. Imagine it's 9 o'clock at night on the East Coast, all the games are winding down, and all you have left is San Diego State and Air Force. Well, how do you make that game exciting? You put some action on it, and my bookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back into the game. The best part is, if you join right now, my bookie's going to double your first deposit. That's right, if you put in a thousand bucks, they'll give you $1,000 straight cash, homie. That's double your initial deposit you can use on all your favorite picks. Use promo code Locked On to activate that offer. That's promo code Locked On to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. You know it's a Friday when it's mailbag time, and we have one more question here on the Friday. October the 25th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast and the mailbag edition of the podcast. And since it is Friday and we're feeling good, let's go ahead and make Feel Good Friday or wrap it up, I should say, with this question from Raji Raj. He's at Raji Raj on Twitter. It makes it very easy for me when I can read your name. What is the best feeling you've ever had as a Dolphins fan? It's between three games for me, maybe four moments. I'll go ahead and tell all four. First, Lamar Smith game. I was in sixth grade. And I absolutely lost my mind when he broke that tackle and took it all the way for six. And shout out to Jed Weaver for the game-tying touchdown in that game as well. The 2002 game at Denver to go to 5-1. and one, I think Randy McMichael talked about it on the Fish Tank podcast a couple weeks ago. That was just so much fun. A hard-hitting classic football game. The golden era of the NFL, in my opinion. Those early 2000s when you still had the old mantra and current-day athletes. What a bunch of fun that was to watch. And the Dolphins competed big time in a huge primetime game. Number three, clinching the playoffs in 2008 against the Jets. That interception Andre Goodman had on Brett Favre. I just kind of melted into the couch and was beside myself because that team came off a 1-15 season and went 11-5. And then, of course, the 2016 game. But actually, it was Christmas night when the Chiefs beat the Broncos to clinch it for Miami. My brother and I popped champagne like a bunch of assholes. That was fun to do. So those four games, I think, were probably the best feelings I ever got from this team. How sad is that? Only one of those is actually a playoff win. And that's all we're going to have time for on the mailbag today. I thank you guys so much for those questions. Let's go ahead and spin it forward now to the weekend watch guide. I put it out on Thursday, so this is old news. But of course, the game tonight between Washington and Minnesota, I'm sure the Vikings run rough shot in that one. In that one. But if Washington can find a win, that would be good for the Dolphins. Saturday, LSU's against Auburn, 3.30 on CBS. Joe Burrow, of course, got to watch that against a big-time defense and Derek Brown. Utah State's at Air Force. Jordan Love, I know some folks don't like him, but scouts do love him. 10.15 ESPN2. Oregon versus Washington State. Go Cougs, 10.30 on ESPN. 
Haven't had many chances to say that on the podcast because, well, we suck this year. So there's that. But Justin Herbert got shut down by that defense last year. I'm sure he'll do better this year. Sunday, Bengals against the Rams in London. That's actually a one o'clock Eastern kickoff. So same time as usual. Raiders are at the Texans. That's at 425. Hopefully Oakland can help the Dolphins draft pick there in the back end of the first round. And then, of course, Monday night, Dolphins are at the Steelers for Monday night football. Some non-quarterback games I'm watching this weekend. I've been trying to get to more prospects while I'm doing this, and I record two or three games at a time and bounce back and forth. So it's actually not like fun to watch the outcomes of the games. I'm just watching individual players. I'm basically working but I also kind of want to watch the guys that I already have seen multiple times because it gives me a better idea of who they are. So we'll do a little bit of both of that this weekend. In the morning games, noon for you East Coasters, which is most of you guys, Wisconsin and Ohio State, that's a must-see game. Seen all these guys already, but between Jonathan Taylor, Tyler Byadash, Jeffrey Okuda, Chase Young, J.K. Dobbins, and K.J. Hill, I mean, come on, I'm not going to not watch that game. Keep an eye on that one at noon. Also at noon, Oklahoma and Kansas State. This morning slate's just not very good, so I'll go back to the teams that are good. Jalen Hurts, Creed Humphrey, C.D. Lamb, Kenneth Murray. It's just not a good slate of games in the morning, so we're going back to the well there. Then in the afternoon, things turn up. Obviously, LSU and Auburn, Joe Burrow, we talked about him, but Derek Brown, who is just an absolute monster on the interior Auburn defensive line. Calevon Chason is probably an outside linebacker here in Miami, but I think he's a good fit for that position. He's a good, high-motor, absolutely athletic freak player for LSU. Christian Fulton's a good cornerback out there, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the running back, as well as Adrian McGee, LSU's left guard, who can play tackle as well. I'm going to also check out Oklahoma State in the afternoon because I want to get a closer look at Chuba Hubbard, or is it Chuba Hubbard, the running back? And the Pokes also have a receiver named Tylen Wallace, who is electric as all get out. A.J. Green, not that one, a draftable corner for them as well. And then Iowa State has an outside linebacker named Orion Vance, who I want to get a look at as well. And then I'll keep an eye on TCU in Texas, Sam Ellinger for Texas, obviously. And Jalen Rager is one of the least talked about receivers in this draft class. He is damn good. Some more Texas products, safety Brandon Jones, center Zach Shackelford, and receiver Colin Johnson. And then we got to check out Michigan, Notre Dame in the nightcap. Khalid Kareem and Julian Okwara are both edge players for Notre Dame that could be on the Dolphins in the future. Tommy Kramer is a massive guard for the Irish. And then Ben Bredersen is a guard. And Donovan Peoples-Jones is a receiver. Both those guys for Michigan. And then after that, the wife has taken me out to dinner for my birthday. So we'll be out on Saturday night. And no two of this week. You guys know that. He is down with the ankle injury. But we're still going to report on all the college action from the weekend and give you guys prospect reports as well as the quarterbacks all across the country. So keep an eye for that on Saturday. But let's go ahead and finish this podcast up with the picks for the weekend. I've got six more. We're sitting two games over 500 still, just milking you dry by the juice. We're going to start off with Iowa, minus 10 against Northwestern. The Wildcats are bad this year. Give me Iowa in that one. Oklahoma State, Iowa State. Over 63 points, the total on that one. I'll go ahead and take the Cowboys over any day of the week. Arizona is only giving one to Stanford, a very bad Cardinal team this year. Give me Arizona. Auburn's getting 10 against LSU. I'm just taking the points in what I think is going to be a close-ish game. So give me Auburn, the other Tigers. Arkansas is getting 31 and a half against Bama. No Tua. Let's see if you can do it, guys. Beat them by four touchdowns and then some. And then Cal is getting 21.5 from Utah. I'm not sure if Cal's going to allow that many points in the game total, so give me the Cal Golden Bears. Those are the picks for the weekend. 
And that also happens to be my time for this podcast. Remember, on Sunday, we're going to preview the game, get you the updates from college football, and update the tank, all the fun stuff we normally do, but for a Monday night football game. Then late on Monday night, early Tuesday morning, we'll have the post-game recap article and podcast up for you guys with the five takeaways and the individual performances from that game. But as for this weekend, I'm going to go ahead and check out of here. You guys all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again on Sunday for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. I'm setting the whole block.